Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory of Madeline Pinto. Alea Shalom. Leilu Nishmat Mazal Bat Simcha. Sponsored by Annette and Gabe Amos. Um, also, uh, also, in loving memory of Nathan Marcus, Alava Shalom, Lilui Nishmat, Natan Ben Rachel, sponsored by his sons Martin and Robert. Azaku Baruch. We all are familiar with the, uh, the challenge of the, the son who is the Rasha. Right? The Rasha, the son who is the Rasha, he says, Ma ha'avodah azot lachem. What is this work that you guys are doing? He says to the he says to them, and you have to tell them, what do you mean you guys? Are you pulling yourself out of the group? You know, clearly you don't identify with the Jewish people, you know, and we get, we, you know, we clobber him over the head. That's what the, we say with the Rasha, okay? So the, uh, the, uh, the, this question itself, presents us with one of the most beautiful chidushim. What is it that he was saying? What is this work for you? So the Matoka Or explains something very special. He says, you know, you have a Rasha, Hazit, the guy, you know, he lives for this world. There's not a single restaurant, Michelin star, that he hasn't been to. He tasted every flavor of ice cream from Baskin Robbins. 31. I always say Baskin Robbins is famous for having how many flavors? 31. Why does that tell you? The Gematriyav Lev is 32. The guy has no heart. He sits and eats ice cream all day. 31 flavors, Yani. Rabotai, this amazing idea, the guy sits every day, he's busy with, he goes from this, from this woman to that one. His whole life is this world. He sees the Jewish people, they're going to pray, doing silichot, three o'clock in the morning, and then knis ades all night doing bakashot. Right, he understands that that's what Judaism is. One day, Hazit, the guy's walking in Egypt, Right, he just walked out of uh, you know uh, Egypt Arama Shwarma Bar, and he all of a sudden he smells in the Jewish quarter. He doesn't smell hadassin, not aravot, not etrog. He smells the smell of a beautiful lamb. You know, it's uh, being roasted on a spit. Wow. He says, "Wow, I gotta, I gotta follow this. There's a new restaurant I gotta go taste." Right, he's walking down the road, and all of a sudden he sees a bunch of rabbis sitting around this, uh, you know, running the barbecue. And he's like, what's going on here? That was the Maha Avodazot Lachem of the Rasha. He says, this is my job. This is my world. Why are you guys engaging in, with such a... And you know, he sees they're being so careful when they're turning the spit. He says, what's, what's the... It's like the diamonds. They say, oh, you know what? We have to make sure it's cooked exactly the right way. The guys, come on, Rab Chaim Ganevsky, you're worrying about if the meat is medium rare or medium, you know, what's going on? You know, he goes, it's very important. We can't break a single bone in the animal. They're being very careful. They have to eat exactly the amount that they can. Because if you eat too much, you eat it on a full stomach, it's no good. Rabbi, it's like, you're getting too obsessed with my job, with my world, with my, with my work. And the answer is that the Rasha has a, 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 beautiful, a beautiful but fatal, in his case, misconception. And that is that the world of spirituality revolves around things which have no engagement with this physical, uh, with the physical self. But when Hashem says that at this time and at this day and in this way a person is supposed to eat, then the act, the physical act of eating something, however delicious it is, is a mitzvah. Every time, every bite that you chew is a mitzvah. So we're familiar with an idea like this. But let's start with the most obvious and most extreme. The seuda that one eats on Erev Kippur. So a lot of us think, you know what, I'm filling up uh, the tank. I'm going to fast tomorrow. I want to make sure I eat enough. So you think you're eating. Who are you eating for? Eating for you. The Torah says no. 
it says, it tells us that the Seuda of the day before Yom Kippur is as if you fasted for two days in a row. If you eat on the day of Yom Kippur, every bite you take is a mitzvah. So if you think, Uli, it's getting almost a time, I need to stuff myself, then you ate for you. But that Seuda is a Seuda mitzvah. Shabbat, when you get home and you wash and you think to yourself, I don't want to wash today because I'm not interested in the extra carbs. Grow up. Make sure you don't eat carbs in the rest of the week. Shabbat, wash your hands. There's a new phenomenon that people are doing. You got to do it in a nice way. You got to tell them in a nice way. I know you don't want to wash. Have a small slice of bread. Get one of those breads with the smallest calories, but you still have to make hamosi. It's a misvah. It's a, this idea that you can do something which literally engages only the physical self. But what makes it spiritual then? What's the difference between eating this makshi and this makshi? Nothing here. Here. That thought process can change something which is a completely physical act into something which is completely spiritual. In fact, what does it say? It tells us that the Jewish people were redeemed from Egypt because of Dam Mila and Dam Pesach. And I always think to myself, why are these two things put together? They could not be further apart from one another. Imagine you go to a grown man, you say, look, I want to do you, I want to take you out of Egypt, but you need a big zikhut. What do you got to do? Well, you're not going to like this. You might have to, you know, you need to take your pants down and we need to cut all, you know what I mean? That's the, on the one level you have Brit Milah, the blood of Brit Milah. How much more difficult does it get? How much more painful could it get? How much more spiritual could it get in act? You would never do that in a million years. And then you know what the other thing is? You have to eat shawarma. <laughs> Literally, what Hillel made was a shawarma. Can we be real for a second? Al-Matzotu Murorimi would take the bread, because we know their matzah was not crackle, it wasn't crackers. It was like a lafa. It didn't taste as good as a lafa. You know, all the Ashkenazim are always jealous of the Sephardim. They're like, if we can eat your matzah. I was like, yeah, you want it? It tastes like you're eating wet cardboard. Calm down, right? So, but if you eat it together with the meat and what you put in the maror, the lettuce, the way we have the maror, delicious. Damai chai. We're comparing the blood of the milah to the blood of the Pesach. And I think to myself, maybe on some level, pulling spirituality. We talked about the two bloods, the blood of Pesach and the blood of the Milah. There's a third blood here. Pulling a spiritual thought from a physical deed might be as difficult as pulling, like they say, blood from a stone. To be able to eat the most delicious food and not think about the food or about the taste or, and to think, you know what, what a beautiful way I'm being, I'm uh, celebrating my Shabbat or my Yom Tov. I want to share with you something remarkable. This is a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara says, Lo Adu Rosh. Anyone know what that means? Aleph. Lo Adu Rosh. It's a good thing you don't know what that means. Because today we have calendars. But once upon a time, when they would sanctify the Rosh Chodesh by uh, sight, they would never allow, when they were being Aber the Chodesh, adding the days, they would never allow Rosh Chodesh to fall out in a way that Adu, Aleph, Dalet, Vav, Rosh, should be Rosh Hashanah. That Aleph, Sunday, Dalet, Wednesday, Vav, Friday, Rosh Hashanah can never fall out on those three days. Because if Rosh Hashanah falls out on that day, what else falls out on the day on that day? Rosh Hashanah. Right? If Rosh Hashanah, sorry, uh, Kippur falls out on the same, right? So Sukkot, you have the holiday. So the Gemara says, Amar Ula, listen to this, it's going to blow your mind. Amar Ula, says Ula, ki ata Ula, Ula came, 
Ula le Bavel me Eretz Israel. He came to Bavel from Eretz Israel. Amar, he says, Ibrua le Elul, they gave us the date for the Ibur for Elul. This is the month already before. And then he continued, he says, Yad e Havrin Bavlai, do my Babylonian friends, like the, the, the boys, yeah, do you guys know, mighty Vuta Avdin and Bahadayu, wow, what a, what a favor we did for them. In Israel, when we did the when we did the Hodesh and we made sure Lo Adu Rosh, you know what a favor we did for them. You know how much Hakarat Atov they have to have to us because we did the Ibura Hodesh and made sure that it didn't turn out on that day. Says the Gemara, why? Mighty Muta. What was so good about the fact that they did it that way? Um, you're not going to believe this, by the way. The Gemara says two hesbedim, two two proofs, two reasons. The first reason is Mishum Metaya, because if you're not careful. If Adu is Rosh, you could have a scenario where you have Shabbat and then Rosh Hashanah. You could have a body that's sitting there, or Kippur, Shabbat and Kippur, or the Shabbat and the holiday, where a body could be sitting there that passes away and you can't bury them for two full days. Today, we have refrigeration, we have a morgue, you know, but a body sitting out in Israel in the heat, or Bavel in Iraq in the summer, Shema Israel, the body starts to smell, the family, Hazit, they lost somebody, and now they, it's, uh, it's such a terrible experience. Number one, Mishum Metaya, they should have Hakarat HaTov, that we looked after them, that the days Shabbat wouldn't fall out next to the holiday, you wouldn't have two days in a row. You ready for the second one? I promise you, it's going to blow your mind. The second reason is, says the Gemara, Mishum Yarkaya, because of the vegetables. What's the vegetables? You have lettuce, you have cucumbers, you have these items that you pick out from the ground. Again, without preservatives, without anything, with all heat, no refrigeration. It's gonna be out for two days. So the second day when you're making the salad, like the lettuce be a bit wilted. Is that not, it's not, you read the Gemara, it's crazy. Sounds crazy. What makes it even worse, and I tell you it's gonna blow your mind. What makes it even worse is that it's the second reason. And when you then compare it with the first reason, the first reason is Mishum Metaya, they're sitting there, someone passed away, they all cry. Also, the vegetables. Mashnun it sounds. But the answer is that they looked at the Si'uda of Yom Tov with very different eyes. They saw that when you're sitting there and you're preparing food for the holiday, it is the honor of the holiday. I have to tell you as well, one of the things I never understood was the certain Syrian foods, they, I can't even, I can't get my head around it. You're sitting there for hours, heke like this, with your fingers, turning the edge of the sambusak. Why? So it has that little kind of edge that looks like a rope. And I'm thinking to myself, in three seconds, I'm going to eat the item, right? It makes no difference, especially if you're a cheese man, you bite the other part, you chuck the rope part out, right? This is crazy. And they spend so much time. So you know, I asked once a Syrian mother, and I was like, I asked her, she said, no, the presentation, it's the whole thing. When you put the little kind of, the pine nuts, the three pine nuts, you know, on top of the lahm ba'ajin, they're all equidistant, each one from each other. They have to look like this. I remember once I was at a Sauda and a guy was losing his mind because they brought out the lahm ba'ajin, uh, you know, and they didn't have pine nuts. The guy, his whole party spent $50,000, and instead of enjoying the day, he's busy yelling at the caterer that there wasn't pine. By the way, the pine, they don't even taste like anything. People were allergic to them. And you know what he said? No, it looks, make changes the look completely. 
Now look, if this guy, we look at him, okay, Hazi, is, you know, he's forgot about his daughter getting married or his bar mitzvah and he's thinking about the pine nuts. But you see that a person's head, where the head is at, that's where the person is at. So if you're at the pine nuts, then the whole thing disappeared into the mist and you lost the item. I see this also, people losing their tempers at a wedding over something. You're at the wedding, it's the happiest day in your life, your child's getting married. You're, you're freaking out about this little, it's not going to make a difference in 10 seconds. But if your head's there, the guy, now I can't enjoy the simcha. And you know, he's right. He's right. From that place, he can't enjoy it. So the idea here is fascinating. When the, when the, uh, the item is done in the right way, when the, 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 uh, the, the, the food is prepared in the right way, a person can take it. But the difficulty, Rabotai, that's what we're comparing. It's maybe even more difficult to do a mitzvah which centers around the uh, eating of the physical and to think about this as well. Rabotai, this is true about every physical act. Whether it's an act of eating food, whether it's an act of Torah says that feels good, person has to go, he has to, you know, be to, get ready for Yom Tov. You have a beautiful rainforest shower in your bathroom. Beautiful, boiling hot water. You're getting ready for Shabbat. It feels great to clean. Think about yourself. I'm preparing myself. I'm cleaning myself for Shabbat. Just that one thought is able to turn the whole act into a mitzvah. You have somebody, you love talking to them, but you know that it's raising their spirits. You think to yourself at the same time, I'm doing a mitzvah. Unbelievable. You're on your phone, you're sending an email, you're doing, think for a second. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm just making this person feel happy. I'm reaching out. To, you're doing it anyway. But what a person could do, just with that little tiny shift uh, in, their, in their mindset. I want to end with this last idea. Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky was once sitting and a guy walks in and he says, he says, What's, yeah, I see you very, you're thinking a lot. He goes, you know what? I was just sitting here and I was doing a, a, a bet din. I was judging a court case. He said, what was the court case about? He says, two guys were arguing on a business deal. One guy, he said, I'm going to give you four, four thousandth of a percent. And the other guy said, no, you said to me that you were going to give me six thousandth of a percent. Not a hundredth of a percent. Six. So he says, they're arguing over two thousandths of a percent? What's the big deal? They're having a machlok. He says, no, you don't understand. This guy, he sells diamonds, but he sells them wholesale. This other guy put together a business deal where they're matching these diamonds to buying massive amounts. Hundreds of millions of dollars. When you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, so then a thousandth of a percent can mean a lot of money. And Rabbi Galinsky looked at the guy and his student and he says, could you imagine for a second, a person does a mitzvah, maybe not 100% L'Shem Shammayim, maybe not 10% L'Shem Shammayim, but we could argue even over if a thousandth of a percent is it, it is L'Shem Shammayim. Because the difference of having even one tiny bit of you that thinks to themselves, oh, you know what, I'm eating this, it's delicious. Shabbat, but it's Shabbat. That thousandth of a percent, when it's over hundreds of millions of dollars, it, it, it's, it's a very, very big deal. Rabotai, we should be zochei be'ezat Hashem always to do mitzvot with all of our heart. But even when we can't do it with all of our heart, even if there's a tiny bit, a tiny thought, to be able to raise it to its spiritual perfection, even that is priceless indeed. Baruch Adonai Amen